Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi, welcome to the future. Portland, Oregon, 2688. And I'm telling you, it's great here. The air is clean, the water's clean, even the soil is clean. Esoteric nature comedy podcast downloads are way up. Low effort celebrity driven interview podcast downloads are way down. Plus, we have more excellent pine species than any other planet we communicate with. I'm telling you, this place is great. But it almost wasn't. You see, 650 years ago, the two okay ones ran into a few problems. So now I have to travel back in time to help them out. If I should fail to keep these two on the correct path, the basis of our society will be in danger. But it'll all work out. Trust me. I'm an influencer. I'm renowned master arborist Casey Clapp. And I'm tree-curious musician Alex Croson. And, and we're, we're completely, completely arbitrary. arbitrary. And cut. All right. I think that'll be our best Instagram reel yet. Me too, dude. I just hope people get the reference. Alex, most of our audience was born in the mid-90s. Of course they'll get the reference. All right. Now let's pick a tree for this week's episode of our show. I think it should be a bodacious tree. A most bodacious tree indeed. Let's consult our computer analysis sequencing ecology Y-intercept or Casey. Casey, what tree should we cover on this week's episode? Computing. Computing. Casey, you don't have to do this. I know it's you. Error. No available trees. (gasps) What? No, that can't possibly be true. Run the numbers again. Computing. Error. No available trees. I, 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 I never thought it'd happen. We've, we, we've run out of trees. What's happening? I don't know. It looks like some kind of handsome time traveler slash New York Times bestselling author materializing out of thin air, but also riding a giant tree stump. Hey, boys. Tobin! I thought you might need a hand. Is that your Carlin? <clears throat> no. Tobin, you've come just in the nick of time. Here's what happened. Don't bother. I'll just listen to the episode when it comes out. I've come to take you back in time and reuse, I mean, rehash, <laughs> I mean, revisit 
some of your earliest trees. Just hop on my magical time-traveling stump and hold on tight. Well, I trust you. Like you always say, trust me. I'm an influencer. I don't always say that. Where are we? Welcome to a Pacific Northwest forest. Oh, um... I guess we just thought you were taking us to, like, ancient Egypt or something, to the dawn of time. Yeah, we can see this literally any time. We're, like, 20 minutes away from my house. Maybe you know where we are, but you don't know when we are. Tell Tell us! Tell tell us! 2021. Whoa! And look around you. These are Douglas firs, the very first tree you talked about on Completely Arbitrary. Whoa! Major throwback, dude. You've both always secretly wished to have another shot at covering such an important tree, but with the production quality standards you've come to be known for. It's true. There were many fun facts left unsaid, but we were just babies. We didn't have the budget or the experience. Then seize this chance. We'll seize it, Tobin. We will. We won't let you down. I'll leave you to get reacquainted with your arboreal subject. This is an audio format, so you can't tell that I just winked. Oh, there's subtext. I see. Okay, gotcha. Okay, good, good. So long, boys! I'll be back to pick you up when you've gotten what you need. But how will we know? You'll know! Trust me! I'm an influencer! What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. I am another one of your hosts. My name is Casey Clapp. I'm happy to be back here again. What a whole new world it is, Alex. <laughs> That's right, Casey. It feels feels just like old times, but somehow new. You know what I mean? I do. I feel you feel you real hard. You and I are sitting here in the in a Pacific Northwest forest in the wow. In the year 2021. It's so different. So, Casey, let's let's uh, let's pull back the curtain a little. All right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And just briefly tell people what we're doing here. Welcome, everyone, to the history. Welcome to the history, as they say. As they say. It's very common. Most people know this. <laughs> um, see, I'm very thrown off, Casey, because this is this format is is atypical. To, Where are we, right? I get into this I get into this muscle memory and ooh, there's a new muscle being worked here. Yeah, getting a little sore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I need to go take a nap. <laughs> this is uh, completely well, arbitrary's excellent adventure. We are taking a trip back in time to visit four of our favorite and your favorite Mm. trees that we covered in our very first season of Completely Arbitrary Case. That's right. We specifically wanted to do this because we kind of wanted to to go back. Uh, For those of you who have been either longtime listeners or you're brand new and you've gone back, uh, you could probably tell there's there's differences between our first episodes and our our later episodes and it took us a couple tries to kind of like figure out what our what our scheme is what we're doing here how we're gonna do it yeah how long they're gonna be <laughs> so um we yeah. personally were like man there's so many other things i wish we we could have said about about this for sure and then other people also asked about this and in particular we reached out to all of our patrons and we said patrons on patreon.com uh 
what do you want to hear again? Um, so if you're not a patron, of course, do that. You can get access to that kind of cool kind of interior uh, directions mm-hmm. that we do. And uh, this was one that it was the, I think there were 14 or 15 votes to have this uh, Douglas Fir be done again. That's right, yeah. Um, and I guess not votes. It was uh, that many people said, do this tree again. Yes. Then it was also true that you and I wanted to do mm-hmm. again in particular. It is our first episode. So now we're going to be doing it again yeah. to kind of uh, kind of say, okay, hey, let's let's take another swing at that. It feels very exciting to be back, Case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you how do you feel now, Alex? You're, you're <sighs> this is... I think technically we said 2021, but that's when it came out. I think officially we recorded that one in 2020. So it, the, it's the true. timeline's completely off here. You know what? I feel like a, I feel like a college senior revisiting the halls of his middle school. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Every, Everything's so much smaller. It's so much smaller. You don't realize the change until you're gone. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm really glad that we're doing this straight. There's no gimmick, no parody. Yeah, there's nothing nothing goofy going on here. That's right. We're yeah. just we're just we're just taking it we're seriously for the first time in our fucking lives. You're welcome, people. <laughs> you we heard you. We heard you. No more gimmicks. And here we are, Casey. We have some new Exciting things to talk about about this Douglas Fir Pseudosuga Menzizii. And we have some new questions from our patrons precisely about the Douglas Fir. But we also. Oh, some, uh, something new about the show since we started. We take a break right here, Case. <laughs> we take a break. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> so we will be right back with Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everyone. I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And we are the co-hosts of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. Yeah, and on the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast, we talk about native plants, obviously, and also a lot of ecological topics. We have sit down with experts, we sit down with authors, we sit down with college professors, and really dive into some of these topics that you might not always think about when it comes to ecology and native plants. And, you know, doing this, we have a good time, too. We have a couple laughs. So oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so uh, make sure you tune in every Friday, and until then, keep it native. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. Today we are talking again about Douglas Fir Pseudosuga Menzizii. That's one I don't have to ask you for clarification. You got on that case. one down. That's right. Yeah. 
Well done. Thank One thing you. we did learn after this, uh, one of my friends who lives in Scotland messaged and said, oh, actually, the only reason that it's a Z is because the actual sound of Scottish menzies uh, is actually, it's just there's no letter for it in the right. English alphabet. So it's actually mingus, apparently, is how you would pronounce menzies. Uh, if you were pronouncing it kind of the traditional Scottish way. That's amazing. Yeah, so this would really be pseudosuga mingisii. Mingisii. <laughs> Which I'm sure someone else in Scotland is going to be like, shut up, you guys. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but that's what I want to imagine now. Every time I read Menzies, I always think mingus, and it makes me it just makes me giggle. It's wonderful. Um, so, Casey, usually I have to say, let's imagine that you and I are in this place yeah. to ID this tree. But yeah. here we are in a Pacific Northwest forest mm-hmm. that Tobin dropped us off in. Thanks, Tob. It's a little cold for my taste. What, you live here? He should have told us to bring a jacket. Uh, That's all I'm it's saying. fine. Okay, fine. As, a, as the arbiter of this time-traveling adventure, he, he didn't do his homework. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah, well, he's from Southern California. They forget uh, sometimes the coats are required up here in the That's Pacific true. Northwest. That's true. Oh, well. Uh, Casey. Let's ID this tree excellent alex excellent so the douglas fir is the most it's one of the most according to at least one book remarkable trees of the west oh yeah and i also think that it is it's kind of like the number two iconic tree of the Mm. west which there's several that can be considered iconic um but once you kind of like really get into it I have to say, I think the Douglas fir um, is kind of like the the unspoken icon. And so if you come out west and you see a tree, especially the further and the further west you go, um, and the higher up you are often, you will find Douglas fir there. Yeah, it's kind of like our primer, you know? Yeah. It's the it's the Pacific Northwest Forest's primer paint. That's oh, what a lovely what a lovely description. I agree. And yeah. then you put other colors on top of it. Yeah. But there's still plenty of white underneath, there's still right? Plenty. And it's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Why well, when you said it was the number two most iconic tree yeah. of the West, I think I know your number one. What is that? Is that a ponderosa pine? I think yeah, I think it is a ponderosa pine. Yeah. yeah. So in this case, the ponderosa pine and the Douglas fir actually kind of consistently grow with each other or if it's not good for one then it's good for the other right. kind of thing yeah so you'll pretty much constantly see either one or the other or both depending on a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about today oh yeah um but if you go out to the west um if you go back to let's say pre-european settlement of of the west okay. of specifically the west of the pacific northwest this is the tree that has it, clearly it's just dominant across the landscape hell yeah it has been growing over in the pacific northwest since uh obviously thousands millions of years but likely it developed and moved around as ice ages came and went mm. and this is really curious because the tree itself evolved probably in north america and i'm going mm-hmm. back to kind of paint a picture across a couple different things here okay. so, so stick with me i'm stuck so your douglas fir initially uh ended up splitting from the the rest of its pine family and it's actually most closely related to um larches and then one other species called kathia which is not it doesn't even grow around here it's only an asian species interesting so and it's really curious like the wait, wait the it grows the the larch. That's its most close relative. Like it doesn't look like it. 
I, right? I can maybe see it in the cone. Yeah, a little a bit. A little? You can see some bracts that pop out, right? Yeah, but That's I mean, I mean the shape of the scales. I guess it's oh, also very hemlock-like. Which... It is. It's also very spruce-like. Yeah, you know? yeah. Turns out it's not very closely related to any of those, other than they're all in the same family, you know? So okay. Still closely. Um, but they evolved here, and then the Douglas fir has a different amount of genes. It actually has 13 chromosomes. Hmm. Casey's referencing a book. Pairs of chromosomes. Thank you. It has 13 <laughs> pairs of chromosomes. And I will also, I'll break it to you guys. I'm referencing a book that was sent over to us by um, actually Mountaineers Press. They said, hey, we got a book we think you might like. Take a look at it. It's called Douglas Fir, The Story of the West's Most Remarkable Tree. Wow. By Stephen F. Arno and Carl E. Fiedler. There you go. And it is, uh, it's a delight. It was a very, very enjoyable book. Hey, you know what? Casey likes this book so much. We're going to put it on our books page on our website. Yeah, that's right. Arbitrarypod.com slash books. Go check out a huge library of Casey and Alex approved tree books. Mostly Casey. Yeah, they're very good books. They're very good books. I highly recommend that you do. So this is a tree that initially uh, basically got its kind of difference in its genes like flat out. Most all the other trees, um, even other Douglas fir species, which there are other Douglas fir species, Alex. There are, I think, about seven or eight upwards. Some people just think there's like 44. But wow. it turns out that they thought there's just so many. Because again, as this tree developed uh, in the West many, many years ago, some of the oldest are... Uh, like some fossils are found from the Eocene, which for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, the epochs of the world, the Eocene goes back to 56 to 33.9 million years ago. We found fossils of the Douglas fir back then. Hmm. So that was before like half the mountains that exist now even existed. Right. Like the Rockies were just a, just a, a twinkle in the eye of the plates. <laughs> Yeah, let's stick with that. <laughs> and so Douglas fir grew kind of all over the place. And then as things have come and gone, it speciated in the West, but it also went over the Bering Land Bridge mm. and then speciated over there. Okay. Which is very, very curious. Apparently this happens a lot with um, pine species things. Pine as a general idea probably started here in North America. Yeah. And then there's a whole, the way that it, it, it like pseudosuga happened or pine happened is it, it like the whole genome doubled itself and then hmm. went its other direction isn't oh that, wow is that kind of weird to think about so it just like split in half and then it was like half of it went to asia and it, it kind of feels like it's more that like uh i let's say that um i have a child that child has uh just doubles the amount of genes that it has mm. so let's say i have two million genes I, for whatever reason, however this happens in like genetics, it doubled. So now my child has 4 million genes hmm. and then that makes them kind of distinct and of their own thing. So they kind of split off. Okay. That's how like all this kind of stuff happens. Interesting. It's very strange. This is a rabbit hole. It turns out that the Douglas fir is one of, if not the single most researched tree, wow. uh, rather conifer tree in the entire world. Wow. Yeah. So we could go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole and we won't no we'll stay above most of the rabbit holes but we'll, we'll poke our heads in we don't yeah. really yeah that's kind of our mo is to just skirt the rabbit holes <laughs> yeah exactly just like you know toss something in and hear how far down it goes exactly and then be happy that we didn't go down let other people do their <laughs> digging yeah exactly uh well casey can we can we get a little more granular yes and talk 
the characteristic we we i of course i deed this tree back in our very first episode yeah, yeah so the the broad strokes are there yeah we just wanted to give a quick recap on the id characteristics in a modern way yes so in our modern way now that we have had all this evolution happen right we have certain trees that are uh living in certain places so that has created two different varieties of douglas fir on the west side of everything Mm -hmm. you have the coastal variety douglas fir which is pseudosuga menziesii variety menziesii oh this is a tall ass tree. The tallest allegedly were over 400 feet tall. Damn. Yeah. That's, right. That's big. It's the tallest thing ever measured. Like the tallest species of anything. Wow. Taller than the redwoods, taller than all the eucalypt, taller than all the sequoias, uh, everything. That's it was amazing. the tallest growing tree ever recorded. A Douglas fir. Exactly. And science has said, well, we actually think that this is the the way that the the thing works. It could have actually got up to about this high. It's like they've been able to estimate how much water it could push up or how far it could push up water. Oh, wow. And that those things like kind of agree. So Hmm. right now, though, generally 350 feet tall is kind of the highest, like just under like 99.5 meters is what generally you can find it at. Okay. So whenever you go to a forest and you see a huge tree, it's it very likely could be this Douglas fir. Cool. Has very, very thick, big ass bark. Oh yeah. One of the best things about it is the bark is really big and furrowed. It does not lose its bark and shed it over time. It just keeps this built up, laminated, protective bark on it as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Just puts a coat on every season. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the thing about the western ones, it's got needle-like leaves, and those are those are really green like a very nice lustrous green mm-hmm. color uh they're singly born needles they go around all the sides of the twig the twig has these little adorable buds on it that are little pokey uh, little cones of uh, like cones is in the shape like conical buds yes and uh, their cones, of course, hang down pendulously with those little bracts that come out that look like little mouse butts. That's right. Those little mouse butts, though, lay flat against the cone scales. So you can see them, but they lay flat. See, you are, I think, making a distinction here, Casey. I am, Is this Alex. the second part of this, dis- is, the, is the payoff for this setup coming later, or should I spoil it? Oh, you can spoil it. You are referencing the fact that big cone Douglas fir, which is a different species, yes, has cones where the bracts are coming out, but they are like go they're like flaring out to the sides. Yes, and more specifically, mm-hmm. the other variety of Douglas oh. fir has a similar thing. Okay, so you're right. The big cone Douglas fir, different species. Uh, by the way, if you ever were in the Cone of the Month Club a couple weeks ago, that's right. It's one of my favorites. It's if you're so, ever in the Cone of the Month Club a couple weeks ago, it's time travel oh, stuff. Oh, that's right, Alex. Shit. Oh my god, anything is possible. <laughs> um, I also want to uh, interject with a quick ID thing on the needles, Casey. Ooh, please, you got these two stomatal lines on the underside of the needle. Yes. So the top side, this dark lustrous green. Yeah. Underside, this kind of key lime green. Yeah, and it's got these like. Like little white lines, two of them that grow, and that's the this kind of waxy coating. Same thing you'd see on a grape or a, a juniper berry, blueberry. blueberry. Yes, um, so that is just kind of this waxy bit that kind of is on the bottom that helps prevent um, or helps. It, it's basically the gas exchange section of the leaf, the primary gas exchange sections. 
So if you are then, uh, if you go further to the east, or if you're coming to the west, the first trees that you're going to find of the Douglas fir variety are the interior Douglas fir variety, otherwise known as the Rocky Mountain Douglas fir, mm. otherwise known as Pseudosuga menziesii variety Glauca. 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 Okay. The Glauca is in reference to it being a little bit lighter in color. So the bark tends to be very thick. The trees are a little bit shorter, often way shorter. Mm. And the needles are a little bit more bluish tinged. They're not quite so dark, lustrous green or kind of even a, even a, a bit of a yellowish green. Glauca. I wonder where that comes from. Yeah, that's a good question. Usually it always refers to kind of a whitish, kind of lighter, bluish kind of color in botany at least. This interior growing tree, uh, they they both grow um, on these separate sides. So the interior coastal Douglas fir grows from Vancouver Island down along the coast all the way uh, down into Washington and into Oregon. And at that point, it starts to grow out further to the east uh, and then gets as far as essentially the, the Cascade Mountains. And then it goes all the way down and then it comes back into the coast and then goes whoosh, all the way down in the uh, on the coast side with the redwoods as far south as uh, about... Monterey, those kind of lowest coastal forests Mm. of redwood. And then it also grows in the Sierra Nevada all the way down at higher elevations as you go further south. Okay. The inland variety does not actually come into California whatsoever. But Alex, it grows... From like the the highest range, a couple I think it's something like uh, a couple hundred miles north of the of the border in Canada. Oh, they grow up there, um, like near Jasper, uh, in the kind of big national park section over there, like where Banff is at. Okay, and then they grow south on all of the drier areas, mountaintops, and places that are just moist enough, but not quite so moist that they're kind of a a, a tropical or a temperate kind of rainforest. Not tropical by any means. This is Glauca. This is Glauca, correct? And then it goes all the way down the spine of the Rocky Mountains. Mm. All all the way down through Utah, all the way down through Colorado, wow! all the way down through some very high peaks in Arizona and New Mexico. Wow. The oldest species of the interior is in Mexico or in New Mexico, and it grows on a little like uh, section of the world that's kind of like volcanic, like really rough space. I think it's called the uh, Malpace or something Mm. like that. And they, that's where the oldest interior ones are, which I think are upwards of about 1,200 years. But they're like maybe wow. 15 feet tall. Like they're this oh, weird, wow. like ancient things that have just been growing there, undisturbed, fighting for their lives every single day. Oh my God. Wild. What an d- awful existence. Right? And I- then uh, that's, that's just, they just sit there and they just take these drought conditions. Like yeah. it's crazy. Alex. Mm. Like it's just mind blowing to think about this. Well, those, well, those like that singular tree, will it still grow cones and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Still grows cones, still puts out seeds. It, whenever it has enough resources, it does that. Well, they, I, I always wonder about this Casey. Yeah. 
the cones of a really, really, really old conifer, uh-huh. they don't look any different than young conifer cones, right? No. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. all grow the same cone. They all go the same cone. And when you think about it, an old tree is not necessarily like you and I, we get old, our bodies are old. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the parts have been doing the same thing for the same amount of time or for you know a long time. Douglas fir, any other tree, they regenerate a new a new ring of growth. Right. So maybe like the bristlecone pines can keep on keep needles from twenty or forty years back, mm-hmm. but all the other cells are, for all intents and purposes, brand new. You know, interesting. So each cone that comes out, it's like, hey, I'm a I'm a brand new cone. I've been dealing with these people, uh, these cells behind me for you know as long as I've existed. They've only existed for. Not a whole long period because it kind of just regenerates a new ring. Yeah. All these things grow again every year. Okay. So an old tree is really just the most recent version of it on its old skeleton. Wow, man. Yeah. Isn't that a fun way to talk about it? I'll I'll give that a hearty, whoa. (laughs) Oh, bogus. (laughs) Um, I think I might have misspoken, said Mexico earlier when I meant New Mexico. But, Alex, it doesn't end there. Mm. It turns out that this tree grows all the way down into southern tropical Mexico. Wow, what? I, this blows my mind. Like, it truly is something that I, I thought about, but I actually thought a different tree had this distinction. The Douglas fir has a latitudinal range that is greater than all other trees in North America. What? It grows from This is Menziesii? This is this is this just is... the Douglas fir as a as a species. So okay, okay. The, the two varieties um, would be a little bit different, but essentially your answer the answer technically to your question would be no glauca. Because the glauca mm. grows all the way up from like north central British Columbia. Right all the way down to essentially Oaxaca, like south giant tropical mountains in Mexico. That's insane. Incorrect. It is wild. (laughs) I'm sorry that you think it's incorrect. I can't, I can't, Alex, I can't agree with you. I actually... Wow, Bill and Ted are fighting. They're really upset at each other. Um, I mean, Casey and Alex. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so I, I'm actually, I just, I say incorrect because I have a very hard time picturing a, what I know as a Douglas fir yeah. in like a tropical rainforest. Yes, it, it's crazy because it's not a tropical rainforest. Oh. They grow at like almost 13,000 feet in okay. elevation. Okay. So they're like the, the highest peaks you can find have trees that grow at lower elevations further north. They're like the bristlecone pines of of Mexico. Yes, yeah. Okay, it's, those gnarled, really, really, really old mountaintop trees. They're Well, you know, I should take that back because they're not that gnarled. Okay. As far as I know, they're not even like ancient trees in any regard. Like they're they're kind of good size, maybe two feet in diameter, mm-hmm. but they're not like the the ones in New Mexico uh, that I was saying that are the really old, like 1,200-year-old little dwarf things. Yeah. Those trees are like the bristlecone pines. Okay. The other ones in Mexico are just... they're just growing down there yeah but at this high this high kind of nice you know cushier side of the mountain and they're reproducing and everything they are they're reproducing quite well wow the only reason they would be uh, a little bit threatened is because 
you know, historically, the people that live in this area would just go up and collect wood and they would cut down trees for whatever they need to. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a whole lot of like, oh, wait, hold on. These trees are ex- are really unique. They're the only ones that grow down here. And there's a couple different groves, a couple different mountains. But I think at this point, people have recognized and say, oh, well, let's just not cut that one. There's plenty of pine trees over here we can cut. Let's just do that. Yeah. So it's mind-blowing. It is the tree. I used to think that it was actually the lodgepole pine that grows in the most largest range north-south. turns out it's the Douglas fir. How about that? Yeah. I, aren't, doesn't that make you proud to be an Oregonian case? Yeah, it kind of does. A state tree, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. no I have no I have no national or subnational pride. <laughs> oh I, man. You know? But I I do have a little bit of a yeah, the Pacific Northwest is pretty cool. And uh, I'm from yeah, here. I, I, I'm with you on that, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I like the Pacific Northwest. It's it's it is my it is my place. I feel good here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So this is the tree of the Pacific Northwest. It sure is, Casey. I think the pride that comes along with it, it goes back to peoples who have lived here since time immemorial Mm. because this tree has been used since time immemorial. Not only is it one of the biggest trees that have grown around here, its bark is also historically been one of the best barks to use for firewood. Oh. It, um... People wouldn't use the bark and scrape it uh, like in the springtime if they're trying to flavor different bits of food. Uh, Pemmican is the term uh, where they take like nuts and seeds and fruit and kind of mash it together. Uh, Native Americans would eat this. It's kind of like think about it as like a, a, a grain bar today. Yeah, it's like a know? little energy bar. Yeah, like exactly. A kind bar. Um, Similar to that. They use the, the outside of the bar case here, though, like the cambium. They would use the cambium okay. on the inside. Some of that fresh spring cambium. Yeah, but they apparently, uh, it wasn't the best flavor. They would prefer other trees, but they would use it if they had to. Sure. Um, but the tree, the wood itself, just below that cambium layer, was widely used because it's just such a fantastic firewood. Hmm. It, it burns really well. It has a high heat ratio towards like the size of the wood you know like you can burn some things that would burn very quickly and very coolly you know others like madrone burns very hot it's a very dense wood with high btus douglas fir is on that high btu spectrum i've never heard of this oh yeah there you go btu british thermal unit Okay. So they measure heat in some regards. Why do they burn so hot? They it's they have nice, big, strong, dense wood. Mm-hmm. Their wood specifically has kind of thicker cell wall, which helps it to push more water up. So because it can push or it has these kind of denser cells, then the wood itself burns very well. It also has a lot of sap and pitch in it. So that oh. just makes it uh, adds to it because that's very flammable. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so it's got this... Uh, this great ability to to be worked uh, for or used for fire. It's got a great ability to be worked for canoes mm. and has actually apparently been used even in Hawaii. Logs would float over and they would find them and they would then turn those into canoes like ancient Hawaiians. Would do wow. This. Yeah. And of course, all the native peoples here would use them because it's, it was everywhere. They would find a tree, they'd find a down tree, they'd even find them like washed up and they would turn them into these huge, big dugout canoes news like famously giant trees famously giant canoes do you do you reckon that the douglas fir had and has sort of the same um prestige among indigenous communities as like a western red cedar yeah i think so because i i think that this tree was used kind of as much as that tree except for maybe a few things okay i think the western red cedar will outpace it on like a couple different regards a little more versatile yeah but the douglas fir had it was right there on the heels in terms of like how useful it is yeah. as a tree yeah interesting 
Yeah, so it was greatly honored, and it also is a tree that is um, uh, used to this day in the sense that we are, it is the most, how should I put this? Wow. This tree, the Douglas fir. I mean, whoa. Has probably the most used tree for wood products in the entire world. It's hard. It's hard to say that and can like wrap your mind around. Can it. we just give like uh, eight seconds of silence? Can you say that yeah. again, and then we just sit here for eight seconds or so? Yeah. I just want to let it s- sink in. The Douglas fir probably is responsible for the majority of all wood products ever made in the world. Wow. <laughs> that was great, Case. Yeah, good job. That was a really good job. Is this like through all time? Um, I, th- I think more or less you could do that, but I think probably it's more appropriate to say since the wood products industry in like mm. colonialism really got going. Okay. You know, because okay. you might be able to say like, oh, well, how many ships and castles were built out of Scots pine or oak right. or something like that? Um, but the Douglas fir, since uh, first Westerners started coming over, they were like, wow, this would be a great ship for masts. And they turned it into masts for ships. Mm. And then they would use those and sell them and take them across the entire world. They would send ships down to uh, South America, to Tahiti, to all over the place, Australia, in the late 1800s, mid, early 1800s, they would Mm. do this. That would then also, they would be used to build all these different cities. They would cut these trees down to build the um, the things inside mines. Because again, let's recall, this is the most, one of the most common trees everywhere in the west casey means the uh the like the um scaffolding inside a mine yeah like a mine shaft like the the, that the wood that's holding it up yeah Yeah, the timbers down there yeah so they would cut them down and use the wood to create charcoal that would then burn to use in a smelter to refine ore into lead or whatever it is they were mining for yeah interesting so the tree's been used everywhere for everything and it has been in a really kind of intense way for like the last 200 years it's kind of a funny thought experiment to be like if there's a mining town right yeah the houses douglas fir douglas fir the mine shaft it's douglas, douglas fir. fir the charcoal in the kiln douglas fir douglas fir the railroad ties that the railroads are laid on to mm. get to this mining town douglas fir the mayor's name Douglas fir. It's a, yeah. So the tree itself, like moving through the kind of indigenous uses, which mm-hmm. again, it was a tree that was used for all sorts of products and all sorts of uh, things. Uh, they would use the roots of it and they would turn the roots um, into nets and they would gr- get a dye from the wood and use that to color the nets so the fish didn't see, you know, which is a lot of different trees have been used for th- that kind of dye. That's right. Oh, um, are you talking about like second those secondary roots, those hair, yeah. those kind of tendrily? Exactly, really long, skinny ones, yeah, not yeah, the big, yeah. thick ones. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So moving from there to the kind of more modern sense of it, where this tree is now, um, first off, when these when these white uh, sailors would come over, the entire coast, like everywhere, they were covered every coastline with gigantic. Douglas firs. It like, hasn't changed, Case. It has so much, Alex. It's changed, Case. It has changed so much. <laughs> the, it's like 
I, I'm reading through this book and I'm just imagining and I'm just like stunned. So the coastal Douglas fir forests often live with Douglas firs themselves as the dominant tree for five to 800 years because there's just not a lot of fire there. Okay. So these trees would grow up and they'd get massive and huge. And before anyone was there with a saw or a whole team of people to cut trees down, you just had these gigantic trees from the mountains all the way down to the actual coast. Hmm. So if you've ever gone to um, Olympic National Park, there are some big trees there and some forests where you're like, whoa, every tree here is massive. It's not just, well, there's a grove over there. It's every single tree. This was everywhere. Oh, Seattle, wow. the entire metropolitan area covered in gigantic Douglas fir. Mm. All of the West Hills, all the way to the coast from Portland, giant Douglas fir. These were these were like old growth forests. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Old growth forest, un, untouched by the uh, the modern industrial saw, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, and that was the case all the way from BC, the entire island of Vancouver, mm -hmm. all the way down to essentially the Central Californian mountains wow. uh, on the coast, and all of the west side of the Cascades from essentially central northern California up. Hmm. Like the the amount of space that this tree took up in terms of its habitat and the size that it got blows, just blows your mind. It is kind of interesting to, you know, to look at, our forests today. Yeah. There's a lot of Douglas fir. There's a lot. Probably more than there used to be. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But they're probably not all as big and luxurious as they used Precisely. to be. Precisely. Which is half the reason why there's more, you know? Yeah. For instance, we are in a room that's about, uh, what, 15-ish feet uh, mm -hmm. across? No, I live in a mansion. This this room is... Uh, Sorry, I meant 15 meters. Yards. Yes, yeah, excuse thank me. You. Apologies. You guys are really supporting us well here at this podcast. Um, yeah, so right now, one of the biggest Douglas firs ever measured would be able to fit probably uncomfortably in this room. Like the diameter, the the trunk. Yes, the, the trunk at the base, the yes. diameter of it, yeah. That's, uh, that's huge. That makes me feel very weird. <laughs> Sorry, I, I love giving that example. So when people look around, they can kind of estimate how big a tree would be yeah some of the biggest ones easily 13 to 14 feet in diameter that's incredible i can yeah. i can i can i enter i just want to uh say that big diameter trees uh -huh. like the biggest of the big yeah like you're uh you, you just went to the you just saw the redwoods yeah just um, a little while ago yeah make me feel very uneasy really i don't think you're alone but why i get kind of like uh, almost like reverse vertigo i'm like oh it's oh. way too big it's way too big i'm so small curious you know yeah. what i mean that's I, not really reverse vertigo but it makes sense to my yeah my i like head. it's a fair fair description i like the description of it yeah i think it just like makes me really I, I look up and i get very dizzy because i'm like uh, oh yeah. that is so fucking big it's doing it all by itself yeah oh like what's god. holding it up oh yeah. my god itself <laughs> Uh, yeah, interesting. Case. Yeah, 
Yeah. So imagine that big tree, this one, you know, 13, 14 foot diameter mm-hmm. tree, right? Um, that's one tree taking up this entire space. If we had several two foot diameter trees, we could put like maybe 10 of them in here. Yeah. You know, so that's why there's probably more now than there used to be. I see. I see. I see. They're yeah. smaller, but there's more. Exactly. They're taking up the same amount of space. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, it's classic basal area of, you know, if you're ever doing logging stuff. Mm, those basal areas. Well, yeah. well I know what that means. <laughs> And we'll talk about it some other time. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, but so the other thing that kind of comes with that is why, how did these trees grow? And what's very curious about the Douglas fir, um, what, a couple weeks ago, we finished our succession series. Yes. The Douglas fir is a classic example of an early succession tree. Really? Yes. It comes with disturbance. And this is one of the most important things that this book hit on was the the ecosystem that was prior to the colonization by Europeans, the landscape was dominated by fire. Now, this was either fire set by the native peoples in this area for a multitude of reasons, yeah. or, or it was fire lit by lightning. Yeah. And it was all, all happening all the time. And one of my old professors and someone actually asked us uh, this question and we're going to cover it because uh, another sneak at some point very soon, we're going to talk more about logging. And so we can get a little bit more into this. Um, but an old professor that uh, guest spoke at one of my uh, silver culture classes way back when hmm. said, if we don't log Douglas fir, it will go extinct to which I went in and right. continued to be in a rage about <laughs> I hated that guy. I, it was he was such a, a old school wow. old timer kind of logger, yeah. and took kind of what I'm about to discuss, and 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 just took it to almost a logging propaganda kind of level. Yeah, and essentially because it is a, a, a early successional tree, it will start to grow in some place, and it loves to come in after disturbance. Mm-hmm. So disturbance comes through, Douglas fir reseeds and will start growing up again. The difference is once you stop having fire or other disturbance, other more shade tolerant trees will come in and take over. Whether that's a true fir, western hemlock, western red cedar, those trees, they will over time outcompete. And Douglas fir does not like to grow in those, those nice shady understories. It just won't do it. So if you don't have any fire, you don't have any new regeneration of Douglas fir. So if we take fire off the landscape and we don't log, then all the Douglas fir given, oh, I don't know, five to 800 years will grow up and then die and then get replaced by Western hemlock, for example. Okay. So then in that case, if you just take such a dumb, simplified version of reality and apply it to this <coughs> old professor guy, I don't even remember his name. I just remember being like, wow, you are, you are misleading these students so intensely. That's how little you respect him. You, oh, don't yeah. even, you didn't even bother to remember his name. No, 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 no. I was so mad about this guy. Like, Malpheus Turdberger yes, was his name. Is, that was exactly his name. Alex, how did you know? Oh yeah. my God. So he said, if we don't do that, if we don't log, then they're just going to die. Like they're all going to grow up. They're going to die. And then we'll, Douglas fir will go extinct because of course, there's no other possible kind of disturbance other than logging, which is required to keep Douglas fir as a living tree. (laughs) Oh my God. It just free. It just gets so upset. Like think about this. We'll talk about that later. We'll put a pin in this rant. Okay. 
that'll be for our our our, our when we talk about Douglas for for the third time or more just logging. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to, <laughs> when you're not looking, like move that pin a little higher out of your reach. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, yeah, I'm like terrified right of there. you pulling this pin back out. <laughs> okay, good. Well, okay, I, I won't do it. Uh, but suffice it to say, Alex, the early successionness of a tree is that it grows quickly, it grows fast, it dies young, it's shade intolerant, right. so it wants to be in the full sun. Yeah. Then other species come over and kind of take their spot in the shade, not in the sunlight this time. Douglas fir kind of does it differently in that, A, yes, it is early succession, Alex, but... It's it, also a late succession. Tree. Yeah. It, the forests, these ancient forests that are 500 years old, consisted historically of mostly Douglas fir. Yeah. So it's like, well, what do we, do we have to wait for like 1,500 years for them all to die and for no disturbance to ever be ever? And then it's going to be a new kind of forest? Does it just have like a very deep, long nadir? Yeah. Or are we just trying to force it into our idea of what succession is? Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like you're looking at it and you're saying, well, this doesn't this doesn't quite fit. And then you just kind of change the rules to make it fit. Right. It doesn't feel natural yeah, in terms of yeah. like, it's like, well, your, your theory might just be be wrong <laughs> the theory that they are our old succession trees or maybe the theory that like succession is is like super applicable everywhere oh i see because the douglas fir is like it shirks the entire idea of it, it says right. no actually i'm gonna be all succession yeah you know so not to say all the stuff we covered earlier is complete <laughs> bullshit but i don't know maybe uh maybe it's not quite so uh cut and dry i guess i will say this makes me like the douglas fir even more casey i agree i agree alex it's a bit of a it's a bit of a game changer it is a changer of games yeah now here's the other thing about this tree is that in this fire kind of relatedness that it's had it is less fire resistant than say the ponderosa pine hmm so ponderosa pine forest historically would just be open forest. You would have a um, a fire come through because it was very often set very intentionally to either uh, have a uh, certain kind of plant grow more often, keep it open for game. And it also just hmm. kept nice big trees all over the place. Everything seemed very healthy and worked out very nicely. Interesting. So Native Americans set this you know, set fires all the time. Yeah. And it would keep Douglas fir at bay in ponderosa pine forests. But wow. anytime on the west side, any any fire that came through killed off all the small ones, new little ones would grow up after the fires come through, but you'd have these big honkers with this huge thick bark that would be totally fine. Of Douglas fir. Of Douglas fir. Yeah. All of Douglas fir on the west side. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you end up uh, all the all the late succession trees, they get wiped out. They just their bark isn't near as thick. Mm. So your hemlocks would just completely get ruined. Your western red cedars would just fall over. Well, they wouldn't fall over. They'd die and stand for like another 300 years. Then they'd fall over. <laughs> But the Douglas fir kind of had this unique thing where it could be the early succession. I'll grow in after a fire every time. And then I will also just kind of keep being here forever. So, uh, yeah, I'm still here. As Bain said, I was born in the fire. Yeah, he did say that. <laughs> I got my I got halfway into that and realized I was thinking of something Wait, else. Who's Bain? Yeah. So the thing is, the Douglas fir is a fire-dependent species across the entire range. And let's do, do we need to go back over the range one more time, Alex? 
Uh, no. Oh, shoot. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> Let me do it. <laughs> We're going from Canada down to Mexico. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's across that entire range. It's a fire-dependent species. Yeah. Even though it's a fire-dependent species where fire comes through every 400 years, it's also a fire-dependent species where fire comes through every three years. So and when you say... Everything in between. You say fire-dependent. Yeah. You mean that it needs clearing to, in order to grow, Correct. right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's a... And take yeah. up space. Exactly. It will be the tree that grows in after a disturbance. And the quickest, easiest disturbance, the most natural disturbance is fire. fire. Yeah. You're fired. You're fired. Douglas Fir is like, oh, I'm not fired. Trust me. Wow, that reference really plays differently after the Trump administration, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it does. Isn't that weird? That's the same guy. (laughs) It is. Yeah, you kind of forget that it is, but then you also don't forget the whole time. Like, yeah, you're fired. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's talking to the prime minister of Japan. What is he doing? Oh, Lord. What a time to be alive. What a time. Well, Casey. Yeah. A wonderful addendum. To our Douglas Fir Cannon. Yeah. And at this point of the show, we usually throw to a break. Yes. And when we come back, we give a cone rating. But uh, things are not as they seem. No. no in they're not. the past <gasps> or the future. Anyhow, we'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. Casey, at this point in the show, as you know, we would give our cone scores, 0 to 10, golden cones of honor. That's right. However, once a cone score is given, it is canon. Yeah, it can't change. Once we enter it into its cell on our spreadsheet, it is there forever. I've tried to delete those a thousand times, and I actually, whenever I press delete, my computer just turns off and says, I refuse. (laughs) The power of the cones. Yeah, seriously, it's intense. Uh. Back in the day, this was January 7th, 2021. Yeah. You and I, of course, covered the Douglas Fir, and for our cone scores... It was January 7th? Yes, that was its premiere date. Oh, no. Why? I've been thinking it was January 6th this whole time. Oh, you're a day off case. Dang it. I do remember sitting here. I think we've probably talked about this. Yeah. And being like, oh, something's happening over at the the Capitol. Oh, right. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of people. Uh, why are they covering this? So just, funny. Yeah, we didn't even pay attention at the time. <laughs> at the time, on our brand new cone scale, I gave the Douglas Fir an 8.5 Golden Cones of Honor. Yep. You gave it a 7.4. Shocking. It really with is, like, an, honestly. With an average cone score of 7.95. We are not going to change those scores. And for the next three episodes in our excellent adventure, we will not be changing our cone scores. However, we will, in lieu of a review section, ask each other a simple question. Have your feelings changed? So, Casey, I ask you. You could probably do something more on theme. Oh, well. Have your feelings changed? (laughs) Dude. Dude. Casey, have your feelings changed on the Douglas Fir? They have, Alex. I'm happy to report I am a changed man. Wow. I 
I've always loved a Douglas fir, mm-hmm. and I believe at the beginning I gave it a lower score because they're everywhere. They are they are an uninteresting tree in the urban landscape because they are always there, always all the time. Always, they're just there. That's yeah. it's just a known thing. Mm-hmm. You go anywhere in the West, apparently you'll probably find a Douglas fir or at least a big cone Douglas fir, which is you know. Also more interesting, but also less interesting. It's just a Douglas fir, you know? Sure. That's how, that's how I felt then. I also feel that way now. However, I also have I gained a bunch of different kinds of respects for this mm. tree on a on a deeper a deeper level. Tell me more about that. So I was dude. down uh, in the Coast Redwoods, dude, and I ended up seeing a bunch of Coast Redwoods, and I saw a bunch of Douglas fir. I decided that I prefer the look of a medium-aged Douglas fir over a medium-aged Coast Redwood. Wow. If you look at a big, big old Coast Redwood, like some of those wild, crazy ones that have the most complex canopies and all this kind of stuff, it's really fascinating. Like they're big, they got this weird growth over here, like they're they're just very unique looking, they look old. I think when you're just before you get to that age and it's like, oh, you're a big old tree, but you're you're not quite a big, big old, old tree. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> I think that a Douglas fir, if we're if we're rating on a on a time scale yeah. as the trees are getting older. This is very abstract of you, is, by the way. Is. This whole thing. <laughs> Thank you. As you as we're rating on a time scale, so we have zero on on the, the where the X and Y axes meet. Yes. And then on the bottom is time going out. Let's say fifteen hundred years. Okay. Uh, the the attractiveness is on the Y the Y axis. Uh huh. And I think if we took uh, took a lot of different trees, yeah. specifically Coast Redwood, which is one of my top favorite trees, I believe yeah. I gave it uh, ten out of ten Golden Cones of Honor. Mm. The Douglas fir, I think. As it goes, as we move from the the left to the right on the on the time axis, yeah, the it Douglas fir, age, right? The age, yeah, okay. yeah, the age axis. Yes. It doesn't really matter. I'm being it, I, I appreciate your pedanticism. Well, thank you. I think that the Douglas fir, uh, it initially starts. They're 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 parsimonious. Both of them are going up at the same time, mm-hmm. and then. Mm. The Douglas fir shoots up once we get to like two, three, four, five, six hundred years old. Killing that mid game. Douglas fir, I think, is way more attractive in profile than the Coast Redwood. Okay. I think as they age, the Redwood catches up. Sure. And then they're both at this like really uniquely high scale. Okay. But I think that I prefer the look of the Redwood less than I prefer the look of a middle-aged Douglas fir. Very interesting. This is what I think. Uh, I also think that the the craziness of everything that the Douglas fir does, mm-hmm. and also I should add that this book has a visitor's guide in the back where they say, if you want to see the oldest, biggest trees oh. over here, over here, over here, over here, of this variety, of this variety, they give you all this really interesting stuff. That's and great. You can go visit it. So definitely go check that book out. Cool. Uh, but that made me want to go visit all these trees yeah, man. and see just how cool Douglas fir is. And the fact that Douglas fir like initially started with pines and then went over to Asia and now is like still crushing it over here. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have to say, like even though it is a dime a dozen, it's also one of those, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I, I'll spend that dime and I'll get that dozen because they are, 
Nice. This is a great deal. Yeah, it's a great deal. So I think the Douglas fir has raised up. If I was to go back and give a different cone oh, rating. Oh, we can't go. We can't go there, Casey. Can we? It would be. You can't. He isn't. A 9.9. Wow. That's what I'd say now. There's a huge fucking asterisk. So big it's covering up the (laughs) 9.9. That's not how that works. Asterisks have to go afterwards, Alex. They cannot go on top. (laughs) Even if you change the font size. All right. Well, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. 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 Don't listen. Don't listen to me on that. But that's. uh, So you do feel differently. I feel. I feel differently. Okay. I feel. I feel significantly differently. The answer is yes. Yes. Alex. Yes. Dude. Yes, dude. Do you feel differently? Have your feelings changed about the Douglas fir? My feelings for the Douglas fir have appreciated over time. Oh. I'll say my appreciation has appreciated over time. It's gotten more valuable. Some fun wordplay there, Case. Yeah. In the beginning, January 7th, I knew not thing one about the Douglas fir or trees. Yes. I was fresh as a lamb. Mm -hmm. I had Mm -hmm. no idea what the fuck you were talking about. Everything was new to me. I have gone through ups and downs with my interest and my appreciation in trees over Mm -hmm. the years. Mm -hmm. Years, Casey. Yeah. Yeah. Two whole years we've been doing this. A long time. And I, on the other side of that, I have come to appreciate all trees more. Excellent. By virtue of Douglas fir being a tree, I do appreciate and love it more than I did back then. Hey. It's not that I've learned more. I mean, I have learned more about the Douglas fir, and I, but I, nothing has made me like really cra- more crazy about the Douglas fir, mm. you know? Oh, but really? it's just a tree, and I like trees more than I did two years ago. Oh, I see. Okay. And I will not be giving a, this passive aggressive quasi new cone score. Okay. It's bunk. <laughs> what? It's out. I, do, I mean, I would bro. What? But if I were going to, I mean, not that you would, <laughs> I won't. All right, fine. <laughs> 9.5. Wow. <laughs> it might have changed. Uh, <laughs> I held your hand as we walked into uh, into traffic there. Uh, thanks for holding my hand into traffic. 9.5 and a 9.9 Golden Cone revised score that yes. doesn't technically exist. Yes. For the Douglas fir. Asterix. Fantastic, Alex. Just a wonderful showing. I am just so happy. I'm so happy that we got to just check this tree out again. Yeah. Talk a little yeah, bit yeah, more yeah. about it. Also, you should go back and listen to it. We talk about the old trees, the big ones, the fungal associates that grow with it. Oh, it's yeah. where the whole thing started. So go back and listen to that episode first. Then listen to this episode as a uh, a, a second Edition. This is really just a Cimmerillion of uh, the Douglas. Yeah, we just wanted to talk more about it is really all we wanted to do. That's right, Case. That was our re-review of Douglas Fir 2. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. This week, we've got a whole host of Douglas Fir questions coming from our patrons, Casey. If you want to join the Patreon and support this podcast and get that little extra... Go to patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. A while ago, we asked the patrons 
to give us their questions on the Douglas fir. Casey, we've collected a, a host of questions here to go over, and we're going to do them sort of lightning round style. That's right. Uh, let's jump in, Case. Our first question comes from Jonathan Van Elslander. Casey? Hi, Jonathan. How much gene flow and population mixing is there between the coastal subspecies, that's Menziesii, yes, and the interior subspecies, that's Glauca? Correct. And what are some geographic areas where mixing occurs? What a great question. Yeah, so we think of these things as being... Over here and over here, but of course, nature doesn't really work that way. Exactly, it doesn't. They they actually grow up together kind of where the coastal uh, habitats and the Rocky Mountain habitats come together in northern Washington and um, southern British Columbia and just a little bit of uh, um, Alberta as well. Actually, I don't even think in Alberta, only in British Columbia because Alberta kind of goes off and follows the peak of the range, so it's almost exclusively the inland Douglas fir. And I'm assuming these can like uh, mate with each other, yes? Yeah, they can. And that's kind of the thing is that they're they're not distinct species, so they still have right. the ability to interchange. So there's certainly a, a reasonable amount of mm-hmm. gene flow, but in those places, uh, they grow kind of in different habitats. Some grow in the drier areas, some are in the coastal one grows in kind of the wetter areas. So there's certainly some amount of gene flow they are sympatric which means they are two different species or two different sub varieties that grow in the same spot so they definitely have some amount of genes how much i don't know that is where you'd need to go to figure it out there you go thank you jonathan reed thompson asks what's the oldest doug fur fossil and how did this evolve from other conifers? Oh, what an interesting question. So it evolved from other conifers. Uh, like we said, it kind of split off of um, other things in the pine family. And the first evidence we have is like uh, what we said earlier in the Eocene, about maybe 56 to 34 million years ago. And the first fossils of them, I think there's a little bit of wood, a little bit of seeds, cones, that kind of thing. Um, so that is probably when they first started to evolve, and that was probably the OG Douglas fir, and then all the others came from the OG Douglas fir, the the one that we're talking about here today, like the big cone and a couple other species from Japan and China. So the oldest Douglas fir fossil would be that. How they exactly evolved from these other conifers most likely had to do, again, with that gene switching a little bit, where you had certain genes that kind of added on to themselves, so they didn't interbreed with whatever their proto-species was. We can say that something happened, uh, and we can look and see what the differences are now, but we couldn't necessarily say what that evolutionary process is. I don't know that they found the, quote, missing link kind of thing. Right, we have the before and after, but we don't have, like how it got there yeah at least i don't that i have to admit is that's probably beyond my uh my skill as a as a as a simple man (laughs) thanks reed the speaking of simple casey the simple environmentalist asks what causes the little bracks on the cones or is it that just the way it is what's the difference between douglas fir and big cone douglas fir besides cone size? Ah, very good question. So the genes are the big things that, that is different between the two. They're, they're two different species. Um, most likely they were separated because Douglas fir and big cone Douglas fir don't actually have range overlap. So it's likely that some species, uh, some population from a species of Douglas
Pseudococcus fur, there are Pseudosuchomenziesii, ended up growing down and got shanghaied in the Southern California mountains and then just started to become its own species there over the next several million years. And it stopped interacting with all the other populations that are growing everywhere around it, at least on the east side and on the north side. And what about those little bracts, Casey? Those are, I know that those are, um, oh, what's the word? Those are modified cone scales. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing is that a cone scale, almost every single one, every cone, especially in the pine family, they have a bract and a scale mm. together. Some, that bract is very short and is almost disappeared. Right. Others, like the Douglas fir, it actually extends out. So the larch sometimes has bracts, different species of fir have bracts. So it's just a part of um, of the cone itself, and this goes back to the very beginning ancientness of conifers. In fact, everything in the Cupressaceae, to my understanding, is actually the modified bract, and the scale itself has gone away entirely. Wow! And so it's it's a little it's a little weird in that regard, but fun. Yeah, so it's just a part of the anatomy of cones, especially in the pine family, and it doesn't necessarily have a. A strict function. Yeah, it doesn't. Maybe so I, it did at some point. Right? I, I Who knows? So I bet you that kind of becomes mm. just the way it grows, where all the other things that make the Douglas fir successful come with some baggage. That baggage being that it has this very long thing. I now wonder, are Brax anachronistic? Ooh. Is that that's the right a, word? Yeah, like they're out of place yeah, chronologically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. All right. That's a good question. Something to muse on. Yeah. Thanks, uh, the simple environmentalist. Uh, Haley Hurt and Josie Smith kind of asked similar questions, Casey, so we're lumping them together. Okay. We're, we're lumpers here today. Any lichen or fungal associates that live on Douglas fir bark? And what about that cone fungus? Oh, yeah. Trulisata. Trulisatus strobiformis. That's the one I have tattooed on me, Alex. That's right. Strobiformis. Yeah. So uh, so for the first one, lichens and fungal associates that live on their bark, so many, so many. Of course, you got Dyer's polypore. That is actually, that doesn't live on the bark. That is fungal associated in the ground on the roots. Well, fuck me, right? The thing is, the bark gets so big and thick on Douglas firs mm-hmm. that it can actually start to decay because it's so old and just sitting there. You can actually have things like mosses and bits of leaf litter and things like that accumulate in these big bark kind of furrows and then stuff can grow on it. So a lot of times there's fungus, right? That's growing, but it's not like decomposing the bark. It's kind of just living on the bark because it has created this kind of little micro habitat. Interesting. Yeah. So over time it it could uh, maybe decay a small amount of the bark, but not a whole lot. Second, uh, lichen is all over them all the time. Anything that's not kind of a dark brownish color is a lichen or a moss. So wherever there is lovely Mm. habitat, you'll find it growing. Douglas fir, though, tend to grow quickly, so they don't uh, tend to have that until they're really old on big old furrows on the very outside of that furrow because they tend to just grow so quickly that moss can't necessarily get established because they grow so slow that's so funny yeah so imagine that we grow so slow that there's a crack developing because of plate tectonics underneath us but we grow so slow that the plate tectonic is 
going so fast that it's splitting us apart so we can't stand over the top of this crack. Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, that's the way to imagine it in terms of like the uh, the the amount of time between <laughs> slow fa- slow growth and fast growth. Interesting, Casey. Yeah. So and then of course the the little cone mushroom uh, that is a species that grows only on uh, old spent Douglas fir cones. It is a species of fungus that is explicitly good and super specialized to grow only on Douglas fir cones. And that that's its specialized thing. I love that so much. Me too. I think it's so adorable. I love anything in the tree world or the nature world or the world, I guess that yeah. is, uh, that has like one extremely specific place in life. Yes. And just like, this thing grows on the barnacles that grow on whales. Yeah. (laughs) Because it loves this one chemical that comes out of those things. And that's it. You put me anywhere else and I die. (laughs) I hate everything else. I love that so much. Uh, Thanks, Haley and Josie. David Chambliss is asking Casey about some of the biggest, tallest specimens of Douglas fir. And where can we find them? It sounds like you need to buy this book and f- and follow its uh, its guest book at the end. Yes, exactly. However, I could give you a quick answer uh, from our favorite place, the conifers.org, the database of gymnosperms. The tallest, largest in the state of Idaho, which I believe is about the tallest that they've listed here, is 67.4 meters tall. Damn. It's a big inland species. Now, if you want to get the oldest, you got to go down to New Mexico um, and find that really old, teeny tiny one. That one has been dated to be 1,275 years old. It's just, it's just incredible. It's mind-boggling. It just blows my mind, yeah. Especially for, a, I, yeah, I, I never think of Douglas fir as long-lived trees, I guess. Right. Uh, I, I don't know enough about them. Hey. I don't. I don't know enough trees to. Uh, I, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> Alex is like, I, I. I just don't know. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I, I. I just don't know. Leave me alone. Stop asking me so many questions. Thanks, David. Alyssa Hoyt asks, Why is Doug fur? We got to stop here, Casey. Doug fur. Oh, good question. Casey thought I was. <laughs> Thought you were producing is ending the show. Like you, you stopped yourself mid sentence. That was. Incredible. I want to get dinner. I got to go. Um, Doug fur. Yeah. Versus Douglas. Douglas fur. Yes. We. I don't think we call them Doug fur. Is that correct? Some people do. It's very common in, in the arbor in the in the arbor world. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 People are like, oh, some Dougs over there. I just kind of refer to him very shorthanded. Okay. Yeah. All right. I the reason I've said Douglas fir, uh, no particular like, uh, it's just I got in the habit of doing it. Is that ever? Is it out of respect for David Douglas Casey? Uh, it is, and here's why. One of my old professors said we don't call it a Douglas fir, or we don't call it a Doug fir. It is a Douglas fir. It's yeah. named after a person whose last name was Douglas, not mm. Doug. So we call it this. Clever. You know, like you, your your name is Alex. It's not short for anything, right? Yeah, true. So people, uh, my first name is John. And people would say, oh, Jonathan, Casey Clapp. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's just John. Right. In this, it's not, there was no like, oh, it's Doug Jensen. Uh, well, I mean, technically it's Douglas Jensen. This is David Douglas. Like, he's never been referred to as David Doug. Right. So if we go back and follow D-Dugs. that, you know? Yeah. So I, that's that's what my professor okay. is about. Yeah, I, I feel your case. So yeah, I, ha- I I'm not gonna. I don't think we should get on anyone's case. What do you have a preference yourself? Um, I say I always say Douglas fir. Yeah, Doug fir. 
uh, reminds me of the bar and, and music venue yeah, here in Portland the called the Doug Fur. Yeah, Doug Fur Lounge, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alyssa Hoyt, why is Doug Fur the top choice? Sorry, Alyssa, I'm not coming after you. This, <laughs> this is It just jogged something in we me. We see you. <laughs> Uh, why is Doug Fur the top choice for lumber plantations in the Pacific Northwest? Well, mm-hmm. Casey, we've we've answered. I think we've answered that. It's one of the most useful, fastest growing trees yeah. that has some of the highest quality wood for all the different purposes. A high ratio strength to weight, so it's very useful wood. And it's very strong. It burns well. It grows like gangbusters. So it's just kind of the perfect all-around tree. And we have a billion of them. Exactly. And and we just constantly plant them. Also turns out that Gifford Pinchot, one of the the first uh, U.S. Forest Service, uh, I guess he ran, he ran it when it first began. His idea of a good forest was a young, fast-growing forest, mm. a la Germany, because they created forestry as an idea and a practice. Really? They cut down their trees uh, hundreds of years ago. So they're like, well, we plant these new trees. They grow very quickly and we can manage them very well. So that was a nice productive forest. However, they came over and tried to apply those principles over here. and said, oh, well, yeah, cut down all these old slow growing trees and then let's replant them when they're young and fast and like growing really quick. That's a proper good forest. Wow. So here we are. I would love to talk about German uh log or um per- forestry so oh, yeah hey let's the do origins it. let's do it um thanks Alyssa. meg bradbury that sounded like i was i was being sarcastic thanks Alyssa. meg bradbury <laughs> alex is just super upset with people's questions <laughs> thanks, wow thanks jessica <laughs> why did you put quotes her name's jessica you can see it's right there yeah we really appreciate it <laughs> uh meg bradbury has a question about national park planting, Casey. Ah, uh, yes. They found a Douglas fir in Massachusetts and was able to correctly identify it. So congratulations, Meg. Well done. On your first, you said, cone ID. That's what I'm talking about. Well, so the Douglas fir is uh, its one of the most widely planted trees. There, there are tall species growing everywhere in Europe. It is an issue and a problem in some places in the southern hemisphere australia new zealand and it's a very very loved tree in fact i think there's more douglas fir growing in france than there are anywhere else in europe so it's like it's planted all over the place my guess is at um this was the minuteman national park in massachusetts uh it's a national historic park Often those places are are gardened and there's a lot of horticulture to kind of have uh, new interesting plants there, um, as opposed to a national park that's like Glacier, where it's kind of a natural space where they want to keep only the, the kind of more natural ecosystem intact. So my guess is that it's just a, a normal planted space and it happened to have a Douglas fir. Yeah. It's also a big important tree for our nation. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it planted in important places. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, Meg. Chet. Casey, Chet has a question about dwarf mistletoe. Ah, dwarf mistletoe. For those of you who don't know, mistletoe are uh, parasitic plants that grow in uh, in trees. A lot of different species, a lot of different trees, and, well, a lot of different species of mistletoe and trees, I should say. Often, one species of mistletoe is 
specialized like that barnacle to one specialized tree. Hmm. So what they do is they essentially get a seed. They grow down these little uh, fake root things into the bark. They take nutrients and they just kind of sit there. What they generally do, and they're common in both the coastal and in the interior variety, they will uh, get into the bark and cause witch's broom, which essentially is like uh, not girdling, but it slows the growth of everything after wherever it's growing. So mistletoe is at at foot five of a 10-foot branch, the last five feet, short. Like, it grows really tight. It grows much smaller. Instead of growing big and long and having, like, normal size everything, it looks like everything is shrunken and pulled in together. Weird. Yeah, it's essentially because everything beyond the mistletoe is has less nutrients than what is before the mistletoe. Because <gasps> oh. it's essentially like a robber on the track just scooping a bunch of good stuff off the top. Wow. Wow. And so then it doesn't actually go one direction or another. So that is the the big effect is witch's broom that they cause. Witch's and over, over time, they can also cause damage because the tree's creating photosynthesis or photosynthate, giving it to the rest of the tree. But then there's this middleman taking the off the top all the time. So if the tree gets really infested, then it can actually die because it's uh, got too many things scooping off the top all over the place. So especially if a fire comes through or some other kind of disturbance. Fascinating. There you I, have it. I also just love the names of parasitic plants and mushrooms case yeah, or fungus. Yeah, <laughs> just, Dead man's fingers. Remember that oh, one? Oh, yeah. Uh, everyone just has such imagination when it comes to that. Yeah. Not Douglas fir. No, it's a, uh, um, it's a fir. Uh, D- D- Douglas fir. Douglas found it. This David, is the Douglas right? fir. There it is. Cool. Next, uh, next tree. Thanks, Chet. Sebastian Harris asks, are there any Douglas fir specialists talking insects, birds, or mammals who are wholly reliant on them. These are these super, super finely tuned um, evolvers, Casey. You know, I don't, I don't know 100%, but there are some species that are pretty intense on it. Okay. So, for example, um, big Douglas firs get, um, in old growth forests, they will have certain animals that depend on them. The northern spotted owl is the perfect example, as well as the marbled murelet. But it doesn't necessarily need to be a Douglas fir. There's some, uh, like the Douglas mm. squirrel, and a lot of different squirrels eat the seeds from a Douglas fir cone Aww. almost exclusively. The Douglas squirrel. It's adorable. I it really love is. that. They will, though, eat other things if they have the opportunity. So there, sure. there are also some insects uh, that are exclusive to doing things to big trees like this. But I don't know. Like, there's, I, I, I can't say for certain that there's an exact species that doesn't also, every now and then, find itself on some other species, you know? Yeah, totally. I would say, obviously, the mushroom, Trulosatus fungus, that is necessary because if the Douglas fir does not create its cone, that cone does not then get colonized by this fungus. Right. So there's an example. Yeah. Maybe the kind of relationship that Sebastian is um, referencing is like the... um, Weaver ants. Oh, how yeah. How their whole existence is on that tree. Yeah. And if or, that tree gets cut down, exactly. they, I guess, just die. Yeah. Or, or find like a new tree. A fig, you know, you have a wasp, one species of wasp yeah. per fig. Yeah. One dies, the other dies, right? Right. Yeah. So it's a very good question. Um, I got a quick question, Casey. Is the Douglas squirrel a false rodent? 
Thank you for your question, Sebastian. Jack Nugabauer asks, Casey, this is our very last question. Mm-hmm. How many Douglas firs <laughs> has Casey Clapp climbed? <gasps> Casey who? <laughs> Don't point at me like that. Much love, Jack. Uh, Thanks, Jack. Right back much at love you. Back. I uh, have I have climbed quite a few. Uh, so in, instead of a number here, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of um, genetically modify this question. Ooh, okay. Yeah. What do you think is what? How tall? How high up have you been in a Douglas fir? Ooh, uh, the highest I think has been 175 feet. That's in just. A crazy it was a long ways wow casey yeah 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 i i love you and i wish you wouldn't do these kinds of things with your life <laughs> well thank you i i was well equipped to do that yeah <laughs> uh with some other friends down at a conference in southern oregon i would be like your mom at the bottom like oh my like having a panic oh, attack dude she did that once i was cutting uh pruning a douglas fir mm. from a uh, one of our family friends house and uh my mom was underneath and she was like standing you know safely away but she was very very like yeah uh and i was just like mom if you can't handle this you need to just go away like then i had to like remind her that this is what i do you can't just sit there and be really worried it's happening either way so yeah you can you can fret or you can ignore it yeah exactly but you're her little boy casey right so you have to she's gotta be there yeah so that was that that worked out well and then if you maybe had to give, okay, how about this? Where was your favorite Douglas fir to climb? Oh, uh, honestly, it had to be that one down in Southern Oregon because it was huge. It was yeah. easily six or eight feet in diameter, Damn. 175 feet tall. And the top like was so unique in that it like just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then at the very tippy top, it kind of just like branched out to the left and the right and became like these two little like almost surface horizontal branches. Uh, like it looked, ju- it looked just like it was like, and here we go. It hit the ceiling. Yeah, pretty much. It was just great. <laughs> um, that was probably one of my most fun uh, Douglas firs that I've ever climbed. My childhood home was adorned with a front yard Douglas fir uh, that was just a big, big, beautiful bastard. Yep. And I climbed it constantly. And then there was a huge windstorm. Do you remember this windstorm in, in, in Milwaukee? Yeah. Maybe 1996. Six? I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, I ripped off the uh, the the roof of the school that I had gone to. Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah. Concord Elementary. It knocked that Douglas fir over, and that thing was big. Yeah. There's actually uh, a Douglas fir happened uh, next to the house that I was living at the time. It mm. also got knocked over, and I remember being like, we were listening, we we're like, what is that? And we went over uh, to look out my mom's window. You could see the tree falling. <sighs> we like we watched it fall. Damn. That yeah. was your origin story. Exactly, yeah. Then I was like, I'll now kill every Douglas fir I see. <laughs> no, the no, wind killed it. You'll right. kill every I, wind. I'll save them, yeah. Uh, thank you to our patrons who asked questions. We didn't answer all of them because not every single one was answerable on this podcast. Yeah, some of them are intense. Would take it maybe their own episode to exactly. answer. But we want to thank Jonathan Reed, Simple Environmentalist, Haley Hurt, Josie Smith, David, Grandma Teresa, Alyssa, Meg, Chet, Nico, Angie, Sebastian, Jack, and Travis for asking your questions. If you have a question for the podcast, you can join the Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. All you got to do is join at the $3 level. That's Quercus and Alder Q&A tier. And you have a chance to get your questions on this podcast. And if not, they'll be answered in a patron exclusive Q&A episode that we do every few months. Yeah. Above that is the $5 tier. 
the Arboretum, where you get two bonus episodes a month about other related topics and trees, and you get 15% off our merch store at all times while you're subscribed. Above that is our crowning glory, the Cone of the Month Club. When you join that, you get monthly cone stickers. Each one is illustrated by an independent artist and printed at a small local sticker shop here in Portland. They're mailed to you in your physical mailbox with a little info card. They're very fun to collect and they're very beautiful. Above that is Arbitrary Plus. They're coming for you, Case. Oh that's what that's God. what every dad says when they hear a, a <laughs> they hear a little siren in the background. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, above that is Arbitrary Plus. For 15 bucks a month, you get all of the stuff I have previously mentioned, plus two live streams. One with Casey and I talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Could be anything. And one with just me streaming a tree or nature-themed video game. We love doing them, and we hope you'll join us. Above that, of course, is our premiere tier. The very tippy top for 20 bucks a month, starting at 20 bucks a month, is generous admission. This is for those hardcore fungal associates with the capital to spare who want to support the pod in a really huge fucking meaningful way. And every dollar goes back into making this podcast. All of our patrons support this podcast. All of our non-patron, just regular fungal associates support this podcast. And we're happy to have you. We're happy to have everyone here. Well, Casey, we did it. We saved completely arbitrary. We sure did, Alex. And we learned a few new things about our old pal, the Douglas fir, along the way. Oh, absolutely. I learned that insert episode details here. Fabulous, Alex. I learned that, Alex, make sure you update the script with facts from the episode. Come on, we're really counting on you. Sounds good, Casey. I just wonder where Tobin is. Hmm. You rang? Tobin! What happened to the swirly wind entrance? I thought that one was a hoot. Oh, I have it set to cartoon magic poof. This thing has like 20 presets. Don't you mean... Tree sets. Yes. Thank you, Alex. Are you boys ready for your next adventure? You have so much more to learn. Excellent. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Next stop, China. 3 million BC. Whoa! Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 